If young Metro don't trust you, I'm gon' shoot Beautiful morning, hear the sound of my morning, babe Nothing on Hello and welcome to Nowstalgia, your weekly look at what's going on now in pop culture. I'm your host, Patrick Sheehan, with my co-host, Dave Martinson. Pat, what's good, bruh? Dave, I'm really excited to be doing this podcast. I feel like this is something we've been like talking about doing for a while, and we've finally taken those steps. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to finally get it off the ground. I feel like we have a lot of good stuff to say, and it's about time we start putting pen to paper vocally. Absolutely, and I think especially this week is a great week to start it. Because we have a ton of awesome topics to get to this week. We're going to do some quick hit thoughts on Deadpool, the Macklemore album coming out, and Fuller House. But the meat and potatoes of the podcast this week is going to be, obviously, Oscar picks. Yeah, absolutely. Academy Awards, we are going to pick all the major ones. Obviously, I don't have much to contribute in terms of like costume design and stuff like that. But all the big, big awards that you're thinking of, we will get to in a bit. Absolutely. Well, how about we start right where I said we're going to, Deadpool. Give me your, your brief elevator take on Deadpool. Yeah, so Deadpool starring Ryan Reynolds as Wade Wilson, the title character. It was really good. It was really funny. Ryan Reynolds killed it. And it's it's really true to the character, if you know anything about the Deadpool character, which is a relatively new character in comics. And it was it was really funny and really enjoyable. Action was good. And I think the reason a lot of people are liking this, the reason it's such a box office hit, and unexpected one at that, being that it's R-rated and an obscure character Absolutely. to most people, is because it was really small, grounded story at the end of the day. It's really a revenge tale and a love story, if you really want to boil it down. And the humor was so witty and so sharp that even when a joke didn't hit, they just kept the movie going, and you really didn't have to dwell on it because they already came back with something else. So I think those those are the reasons that it it did so well. And obviously, really strong word of mouth. It's killing the box office. It's already the highest-grossing R-rated comic book film of all time and they already agreed with the sequel so it's really good news for fox yeah it was what like 500 million over 500 million right at this point worldwide yeah 135 domestically on the opening weekend which is really really good that's better better debut than any x-men film before insane for an r movie really i mean i think i mean obviously i i don't have the background knowledge of deadpool it sounds like you have more of a more of like the history on it mm-hmm. but just being like a fan of these kind of movies in general superhero movies are probably one of my favorite genres right now i think what i liked about this movie was it was funny but it was so different um, mm-hmm. absolutely you go into superhero movie and you expect like you know superhero is going to face some almost uh some villain that he there's no way he's ever going to overcome him and grand spectacle gonna, thing. right and the villain's going to go to all these measures to make it difficult and superheroes has to play within these boundaries but deadpool didn't play within any fucking Deadpool was like from from the very beginning, even like the first opening shot. It's him killing people while he's flying through the air in a car, and it's a very self aware movie as well, which I think made the humor even better. Yeah, absolutely, because it was so meta, so self referential regarding Ryan Reynolds' acting career or past failures with the X Men film franchise. That was also why it was true to its character, because Deadpool is a character that breaks the fourth wall in all the comics. So they just totally went for it. And if anything, I from people that have liked the movie, if they had something they wish it did a little better, people, a lot of people were asking for them to break the fourth wall more. Yeah. Because it was they were doing it so well. And I think we'll definitely see that in the sequel. And the, the one thing that I've been disagreeing with about people when they're talking about Deadpool is they think that Deadpool is, or Deadpool influenced the final Wolverine movies decision to be r-rated they just recently came out with that and later 
some of the directors, some people involved have been saying that it was going to be R-rated all along. Either way, whatever the case is, I think it's good, but we don't want to model every superhero movie going forward after Deadpool. Deadpool is a great origin film, and it's really small in scope, and it really works for that character. We don't want everything to be like that. No, absolutely not. I mean, we have the, obviously, the superheroes that we all know and love, but I think maybe, and this is my last point on it, is what was really satisfying about Deadpool was that he actually killed people. I think so often I'm watching Dark Knight, and I'm like, just kill the Joker. Like, you have him. Just kill him. Right. Like, he'll end it. Well, that's and, Batman for you. Right, exactly. <laughs> Batman who has like every moral in the book. The most, like, torn apart character. But it was really satisfying to see him just stick a samurai sword in something and cut him in half. It was great. And, yeah, I'm really happy for the sequel. They're going to have to pay a lot because Ryan Reynolds <laughs> didn't get paid that much money. He needed the director. So they're going to ask for some big money. Raina Bakhran, the lead actress, she's going to ask for some money. So, But they can afford it because it was a, a smash hit. That's per- perfect casting, too. Ryan Reynolds was perfect for that point. He's been campaigning for the role for a while ever since he originally did a half-assed version of it in X-Men Origins, so I'm happy to see that everything worked out and people love it. That's great. Absolutely. Alright, well let's move on to the next quick quick hit topic, Macklemore's album. Tell me what you know about it. Yeah, it's the unruly mess I've made. It's the second studio album for Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Great title. uh, Yeah, I think it's a great title. It's a cool album cover as well, Burgundy Red. Now it's not, it's Macklemore's I guess third album, but this is his second one since him and Ryan have been together as an act. They also have an EP as well. But it's really, really interesting release because coming out of Friday, interesting enough, but it's all post Macklemore being huge international sensation, obviously. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had a lot of underground buzz, and Can't Hold Us was a really popular song that he had released before he was popular. And the Thrift Shop video happened, obviously, we know what happened from there. And, now, now, and then he toured for about 16 months, and then he went off the grid for a long time. And now he's back with this. And leading up to this, we had Downtown, which is a great single. Yeah. Very reminiscent of Uptown Funk. And he's released a few other songs, which I've really liked. He has a song called Buckshot with KRS-One. Hmm. He, he has a lot of the OG rappers on Downtown as well. And then Features, he has Chance the Rapper on this and YG. Well, after Chance's feature on The Life of Pablo, I'm really excited to see what he does on this album. So I'm really excited for this because I've always liked Macklemore. I was, I'll be a hipster about him because I was a fan before he was popular. I remember watching the thrift shop video the day it came out because I was a fan of him. Irish Celebration, man. Brings me right, yeah, right back to exactly, college. Exactly. And I'm, I'm happy to see how successful he is. And now he has a ton of haters for various reasons I don't want to get into now. But I think this record will probably surprise a lot of people. What are you, what are you expecting from him on this album? Well, judging by all the singles, I'm expecting him to go back to his roots. He is a rapper. He is, you know, he is hip-hop. Don't believe that. Listen to his 05 solo album, Language of My World. He's a great rapper. He has a great flow and great lyrics. And some people think he's corny. Some people think he's pandering to black people. And you can certainly make a case for all of that. But in the, the day, I think he's really talented. And he's going to make good music. So I'm just happy because I know it's going to be quality. And the songs he's released so far, at least about four of them, I've really liked He's absolutely, I mean, he's a very talented artist. I, I think one of the most confusing things about Macklemore, and one of, the, one of the, I guess for myself, and maybe for other people as well, is that it's hard to get a read on him, I feel like. It is. Because he, he, his topics range, I mean, Thrift Shop is such a silly song, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a fun, catchy tune, but then you go to something like, what's the, what's the song you did about, yeah, Equal, equal Rights? Same Love. Yeah, Same Love. I was going to say Equal Love. And, but, um... It, regardless, I mean, he, his topics range so far, and he just released the the other song recently that was a pretty serious Yeah, song. White Privilege, too. Yes. My problem with that song is it's got a great message, and once again, you can 
people criticize him for maybe apologizing for something he's never done, you know, mm-hmm. apologizing on behalf of white people. You can break that down a lot. In the day, though, I don't like that song because it's like nine minutes long. It's not a fun <laughs> song to listen to. No. Anyways, while we move on to our last quick hit thought, Fuller House. Tell me, I guess I want to start, where do you fall on Full House as a TV show? Just to start with. Yeah, so Fuller House is debuting on Netflix. It's been apparently a long time coming. But yeah, it's really funny. I was watching I was watching a show and in the comments, someone was like, do I need to catch up on all Full House before Fuller House comes out? And then the guy, the, uh, the guy in the show was like, no, absolutely not. You do not need to do that. And in fact, you won't get it anyway because you didn't watch it when it was out in its indication. It's getting eviscerated by critics, as I expected, as we all expected. But my question is, did anyone really ask for this? Did anyone ever? I, I think I asked for it, and I'll tell you But why. you asked for this in, like, 2002. Right, absolutely. <laughs> when, when I was, like, staying home from school in, in the summers and I'd turn on TV and there was DJ and Michelle, you know, running around in San Francisco, obviously I wanted more Full House. The thing is, it's never been a good show. I mean, no. if we're just going <laughs> to acknowledge it, the best part about it was John Stamos and Joey. And he remains the best part about it. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't wait to see... Oh, and Bob Saget, obviously. Right. Well, he, he's best now for his tweets more than anything. Oh, my God. He had a great tweet the other day where he uh, he tweeted uh, a line from Life of Pablo. I'll, I'll save it for next week, but it was fantastic. Anyway, does it even matter if this show is good? No, it doesn't because people aren't watching it for quality. They're just watching it for the nostalgia purposes. Right. But... I don't know how well that nostalgia is going to go over because we're seeing John Stamos do a very similar shtick right now on Grandfathered mm-hmm. on Fox with Josh Peck. And it's, a, it's actually a pretty fun show for what it is. I just like supporting Josh Peck. But Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen are not in this show in any capacity. They're, Michelle is not here. Right. They haven't been acting for over 10 years. That's why they declined. I understand that. Do we know why they're not going to be in the show? Or like, they, just, they just haven't been acting. They just didn't think it was a thing they would do. I do not know how they're writing okay. about her. Taking care of that. Be, be like, oh yeah, Michelle couldn't make it. Blah blah. DJ's supposed to be the main character right now, and, and she's supposed to have, I think, like twins. I believe. Interesting. I don't know. I I saw some some still pictures, but regardless, I'm I'm gonna watch only because I'm gonna watch House. too. It's I'm not gonna, that many episodes, right? It, it'll it'll be on the TV. I won't be watching closely. I'm not gonna care about the plot. I just want to see the, the feel good story, like ending to it every time. Right. Anyways, why don't we move on to the main feature, our so, Oscar picks. So, we're going to do this in, in a pick'em style. And, and we're going to pick two possible winners for each category. And the way that we're going to score it is if your first pick, which is the pick that you think is actually going to win, if, if they do get picked, you get two points for that. If your second pick uh, is the one that ends up winning in the actual category, we're going to get one point. We'll tally it up and we'll report back to everybody about how we do. So we're going to start with the lower categories and move into the bigger ones. Let's start with... A writing category, original screenplay. I think this is more or less guaranteed to be Spotlight. Spotlight's mm. been cleaning up with this, and I mean, you compare it to who it's going up against. Inside Out, I don't think Inside Out has a chance to win this. Straight out of Compton, everyone's happy it got nominated, but I think that's as far as that goes. I'd love Ex Machina to win. Really love that film. I'm happy it got uh, some love here. And Bridge of Spies, which I don't understand why that's an original screenplay. I'm not the only mm-hmm. one who said that. But either way, I think this is Spotlights. I actually have Spotlight as my second pick, and I have like a, a conspiracy theory on this. So you know how there's all the buzz right now that there's no black people nominated this year right. for any of the categories? Oscar's so white. So I think, with all that backlash, I'm not sure when the voting's been, but I, uh, I have a theory that they're going to try to compensate for no black people being nominated, and they're going to hand this to Straight Outta Compton. Interesting. And wow, I, I didn't I, think of that. I would love to see that, because... 
the uproar that would probably come from you know black celebrities around this would be very interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's it's already an underlying subplot for this, and especially with uh, it's Chris Rock hosting, correct? So yeah. he's gonna eviscerate. And he he, he said he was redoing his opening monologue. Uh, I, I I really can't wait. I, I I actually thought he was gonna back out, but I think now him staying in is a better move than anything. I think he's the best person for the job too, because he's always been a, a good critic for that. He has the right that attacked, I think. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. He's edgy. I think he's gonna, he's gonna do a great job. But coming back to the category, I think Spotlight is probably my second pick for this. And I mean, I I think it sounds like you're picking them as your number one pick, right? They are my number one pick. And for number two, I'm just going with Ex Machina just because I really like that movie. I really don't have a strong opinion about who I think would win if Spotlight doesn't win. I didn't think of Straight Outta Compton that angle, but I'll stick to what I have. The reason I'm going with Spotlight though is because the majority of the Academy is actors and. Spotlight has been cleaning up and actors voted awards all right. season, so that's why I think they win. Right. Spotlight was a phenomenally written movie. I think to take something so broad and so complex, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's a huge story and it's such a it's so big, like the whole the whole scope. And to break it down into such a, a what, two and a two hours, twenty minute time yeah. frame. It was a great movie, I really loved it. Uh, it. it really was a great movie and to really break it down into Explain it and not have it be you know, super confusing was phenomenal. So I, it would be a, a deserved win for them. You want to move on to the next category? Yeah, so that's writing adapted screenplay. And for me, I'm going with The Big Short as my first choice. And if they don't win, I think Carol could win too. I think Carol, as an overall theme for the Oscars, is going to, if there was a runner-up, I think Carol's there a lot. Because everyone's talking about how much they like this movie, but I just don't know if it has the momentum. Whereas The Big Short seemingly is overrated in these award in this award season, and Adam McKay, the director, has been campaigning really well for it. So I'm going with The Big Short because once again they've won leading up to this. Yeah, I can see The Big Short winning. I actually have in the best my number two, and I'm not sure if my number one is uh, like a fanboy type thing, but I really love The Martian. I thought it was a fantastic movie. It was. Um, and I actually have as an outside shot at winning Best Picture. Really? So, Interesting. Uh, I'm thinking that if, if they can somehow steal this category, that that would be a good sign for them uh, in the long run. So they're my number one choice with Big Short being number two. So tell me, actually, for those of listeners who don't know, can you fill us in any, any about Carol? What's the basic plot? It's, it's basically like Kate It's Kate Blanche and, and right? Rooney Mara. I don't really know too much more about the plot. I keep getting, I, leading up to this, I kept getting Carol and Brooklyn confused. Right, right. Yeah, they're, they're very similar movies. I mean, they're both period pieces set back like early 1900 times. Uh, I'm pretty sure with Carol, and don't quote me on this, but the plot is basically like Kate Blanchett's married to uh, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. And he's always going to be coach to me, so it doesn't matter <laughs> who the actual actor is. And um, she meets uh, Rooney Mara and mm-hmm. falls in love. Rooney Mara is, is Carol. Right. And uh, they fall in love, and because it's the 1900s, um, basically the coach Taylor says that if you're gonna be with this woman, you can never see your daughter again. And it's about how they uh, reconcile that and, and broken love right. and miss opportunities. So it sounds like a great movie. It looks like it's really well acted, and I think that's reflected in the awards. So I could definitely see it cleaning up if if the votes fall the right way. Right. Interesting thing. A lot of people were saying that Rudy Mara should have been nominated for. Best Actress, and Kate Blanchett should have been Best Supporting Actress, flip-flop, hmm. because Mara's apparently more of the star of the film. Interesting. For what that's worth. I'm interested to see 
where Rooney Mara's career goes from here. I mean, I feel like she's been coming on gradually. I mean... Ever since The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Yeah. She got a nomination for that. And she's kind of been in the, like, in Zeitgeist since then, but I feel like her sister, Kate Mara, got a bit of of the spotlight from House of Cards season one, and then she's been in some more high-profile movies. She was in The Martian. Mm -hmm. So Rooney Mara, I think, is the better actress, but she's kind of been up and down in terms of the roles. Absolutely, and... uh, Actually, it was funny because when I, I actually didn't see the movie, but I watched the trailer for it. When I saw her in the trailer, she looked just like Audrey Hepburn. Like, like the first shot you see. So it'd be interesting to That's see cool. if she were to do like an Audrey, Hep- Audrey Hepburn biopic moving forward. I think she'd be a good choice for that. Moving on, visual effects. So the we, in this category, we have Ex Machina, Mad Max, Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and Star Wars, The Force Awakens. What are your choices? Yeah, so my thoughts on visual effects is very similar to my, th- my thoughts on sound editing, sound mixing, and film editing, which we're not going to get into those. There's a good chance that these all kind of go to the same one or two movies. Mm-hmm. And I really think that this is more or less down to Mad Max winning or The Revenant winning everything. Hmm. And I think Mad Max has no chance to really win Best Picture, so I think it's going to be thrown some bones in these effects category, which it 100% deserves. If you haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road, it's one of the best action movies ever made. It's just start to finish. It's really good. There's really nothing you can say bad about it. And once you know the story about how they made this movie, it's even better. I'd love to see Star Wars get some love in the effects categories. Obviously, it'd be very deserving as well. And I'm a huge fan of Star Wars and The Force Awakens in general. But I think Fury Road is going to win a lot of these, including visual effects. So film me, what is the story behind how they made MX? Well, yeah, it was just done in Australia, and it's a majority of it is practical effects. Those are real effects. Those are real people on those poles, racing those crazy-looking cars, <laughs> doing all that stuff. There might be a green screen in the back for extra weather effects, but they're doing all those stunts. So that guy who's playing like that... The uh, guitar? That was a real person. Guitar. There's a guy with that's, acting credits for that role. That That's awesome. Uh, I would love to see Mad Max win this category. I guess when I was thinking about visual effects, I was thinking more along the lines of like the CGI types. Right. So when I pure CGI, it, it has to be Star Wars. Oh, I had Star Wars actually as my second pick because I thought if I was gonna go for effects, Ex Machina. Yeah, I, mean, the way I that, love that movie. The way that, that they made that, that girl look. Um, Ava. Yeah, Ava. I was watching a YouTube video about it the other day. They said that they wanted to have a, a different look from most classic robots. Right. Um, so what they did was they, they like made her body mesh so that when it caught a certain light, it looked human, but then when it caught a certain light, it didn't. And it worked I was well. Like, that is a brilliant idea. And if you listen to uh, the Nerdist podcast with Oscar Isaac, he said that they spent more than half the budget on the visual effects to make her look realistic in the way that she did. And you wouldn't think that because that movie is more or less small in scope in terms of its setting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're on that one island the whole time. In that one building. Yeah. So I would love to see Ex Machina win, and I guess I I might be a homer for that. I did have Star Wars second, though, because... There's so many like visual effects in that, yeah. and there's so many. There's a lot of good practical ones. effects in Star Wars as well. Oh, absolutely! So I would love to see that. I noticed that we're not giving any love to the Revenant here. I, maybe you had them as your second pick. It's not so much that I think the Revenant has bad effects by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think if the Revenant wins, it's going to win this because it's going to win everything, like Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, or something like that. You just clean up and win a dozen awards. But otherwise, I think it'd be better to throw some love to Mad Max or Star Wars, or even Ex Machina, which I'd love to see get some wins. And no, I think those are the only two categories for Ex Machina, right? Uh, I believe that we're talking about those are the only yeah, two. Yeah, that's it. I'm just looking at everything. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, if Ex Machina could win visual effects, I'd be happy to be wrong on this. 
while we're here, I just want to shout out my my boy Oscar Isaac, the God. He's he's just a phenomenal actor. I just wanted to shout him out. Real yeah, quick. watch a most violent year with Jessica Chastain and David Owello. Mm-hmm. Came out in January of 2015. The start of Oscar Isaac's takeover. He's really good. He's he's just great in everything. He, he won the uh, Golden Globe for uh, Show Me a Hero, right? I think for like, the uh, lead in. Uh, yes, he did. Like a short. Uh, the Paul Simon thing. Right. Yeah, he did. And he was also in Inside Lewin Davis, the Coen Brothers movie in 2013. David Simon, by the way. Not Paul Simon. Paul Simon? Yeah. Hey, you know what I meant. But Paul Simon's a great a great writer, but I don't think he would be able to write a, a movie or a, a short a documentary series like that. Not even documentary series. <laughs> a biopic series or whatever it is. So our next category is Best Director. We have Adam McKay for The Big Short, George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road, Alejandro Inaritu for The Revenant, Lemmy Abrahamson for Room, or Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. So I think right off the bat, there's no way Room or Spotlight wins this. So I think it's it's a three-headed race. So why do you knock them out right away? Because the other awards thus far, a wall of awards season has basically awarded Big Short or The Revenant in terms of this. Mm-hmm. And Spotlight has been getting love from the actors. So I guess you could maybe still factor in Spotlight for this because, once again, the Academy's majority actors. But producers have really been loving The Big Short, and directors have really been loving The Revenant. And The Big Short actually had some wins that people didn't expect. That's kind of why this is a harder one to pick. But we're determining the best director here, so I feel like this has to be in a read with The Revenant. Well, he won the Golden Globe, and I think he's probably a really good bet to win this. I'm going to say he's my number one pick, but... I could see the big short wins. I mean, I think it's a toss-up between the two. However, thinking about Room, just as like a concept, I mean, mm-hmm. you're taking a girl who is basically being held hostage in this room with, with a boy, and they're in that room most of the whole time, and then you have to take such a, a small scope and right. broaden that. I, I, I think if you look at it, that's an incredible directing job. I mean, obviously they're all great directing jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I wish that the, that Room would get more love for this category. Yeah, that's fair. I think the whole story about the shoot for The Revenant and how brutal it was and how much effort and time they put into getting the right shots the right way, very limited effects or lighting. Actually, there's really no artificial lighting in that movie. And now that's like a feel-good story about all that hard work really paid off into this excellent film. I just think Inaritu's going to win it for that. The only thing that made it worse against him is they don't they want to spread the love and they don't want to give Best Director the same guy back-to-back because obviously he won for Birdman last year. Right. I, I guess when I think about directing, uh, what you were just describing sounded more to me like cinematography. Right. Like, how do you shoot it? How do you frame mm-hmm. it? What does it look like? I think about directing, I mean, think about the performance that... Who was it for Room? It was Lenny Abraham, Abrahamson, right? Right. Think about the performance he got out of Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it's it's incredible. So, I mean, I, I think I wish Room would win, but mm-hmm. I think I think you're probably right that it's probably going to be Revenant or Big Short. Yeah, my second choice is actually Miller, George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, really? It, it's more or less the same train of thought. That shoot in Australia, do, managing all those practical effects. And also, I give Miller more of a... More, more of a nod to because he developed this whole story and plot and idea mm-hmm. a long time ago. But I guess that gives him the creative originality that he threw into this role. And I guess that's really not directing, but the reason he's nominated, I think, is because everyone was really happy this movie got made and did so well. So I think he has an outside chance of winning as well. But you're probably right. Big Short's probably a better 
better choice for him. Uh, I actually could see Miller also getting some votes because he's been doing this since the 80s. I mean, he developed Mad Max in the 80s. He directed mm-hmm. all those. So to go from the 80s to, you know, 2015 and have another, you know, great movie, I could see them giving him a nod just for, like, that old-timer type uh, vote. Right. Which uh, I think that theme will also come up a little bit later in one of the one of the bigger categories. Right. <clears throat> Any other thoughts on this category before we move on? Yeah, I mean, just to what basically what you what you just said about Miller, the Academy historically has spread the love, mm-hmm. and maybe they would love to give Miller his first best director role in terms of a great triumph, and not Tenerito. Would not surprise me. I just think Revan has a lot of momentum right now, and this is a very deserving win. Oh, absolutely. So how about we move on to cinematography? I have a feeling we're both going to have the same choice for this one. Emmanuel Lubeski is going to win his third straight award for best cinematography for The Revenant. He won in for Gravity in 2013. He won last year for Birdman with Inaritu. And he's going to win again for The Revenant because, once again, the way they shot that movie, it's beautiful, it's amazing. If You, you can have a problem with the plot of The Revenant, but you, you shouldn't have any problem with the visual storytelling. Some of those shots were literally breathtaking. Yeah, and they never, didn't do it with any artificial light. It's amazing. It, it, absolutely incredible. I mean, it sounds like it was it was hell to work on. Yeah, they only could get <laughs> sometimes they only would shoot a few hours a day, and they just live in that tundra until the next time it was to shoot. So, testament to the whole crew and all the actors for that movie. But I think this is probably one of the safest bets. Oh, absolutely. I, I think probably the safest bet out of the categories, at least in my mind, because. Uh, there were obviously some other movies that were beautifully shot. I mean, looking at the category, we have Carol, uh, The Hateful Eight, Mad Max Fury Road, and Sicario, along with The Revenant. Sicario, I think for cinematography, it was a interesting mm-hmm. movie. I wasn't necessarily super impressed with it. I thought Hateful Eight, classic Tarantino, I always think it's, it's an interesting right. way that he shoots movies and... It gives you a different perspective, especially that yeah. scene where it was like going around the table looking at all right. the different people. That's an amazing shot. Uh, and Mad Max, I mean, I think we, we touched on it, but mm-hmm. the way that, that it was shot and with those long, broad landscapes and with like all the cars driving across it, the smoke billowing up, it's amazing, but nothing can touch the revenue in this category. No, not chance. And it's really funny, too, the uh, Lubeski, he had five nominations for this category before he won in 2013, and now he's about to get his third win in a row. Which well, would be a record. What else was he nominated for? I don't remember all of them. He was nominated for Tree of Life and Children of Men. Hmm. So those are the most noteworthy movies. Okay. But so good for him. This guy's like a real artist when it comes to shooting right. movies. Um, before we move on to actress and supporting role, there are actually two things I wanted to point out that mm-hmm. we just kind of overlooked and we're not going to touch on these categories much. But in the documentary series, I think I'm, I'm picking Amy. It's about Amy Winehouse, and it had a ton of buzz this year. Um, a lot of big names were talking about how, how awesome it was. I mean, if you listen to podcasts, Adam Carolla, Bill Simmons, um, all they, they both gave it really high praise. And, and Carolla himself is a documentary. Oh, but they both are. Bill Simmons has a 30, 30 for 30 series. So they, they know what they're talking about. They thought it was, was wonderful. So I would pick that in that category. And then the animated feature category, Inside Out. has to be Inside Out. It, it's, that's, that's one of the other safest bets. I, I would say that along with yeah, the, the cinematography category, The Revenant, Inside Out was just amazing. Did you actually see it? I have not seen it, actually. It's. It, I would highly recommend that. It was maybe my favorite movie. Is this made by year. Pixar? This is a, no, it's not a Pixar movie, right? Uh, I believe it's No, Dream- no, Pixar was The Good Dinosaur. Yes, it? I believe it was DreamWorks. DreamWorks. Interesting. So, Amy Poehler. Yeah, I've heard, heard a lot of good things about it. I could have saw it on an airplane, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. 
That's okay. You can always <laughs> watch it some other time. That's it's on the list. Movies. So why don't we move on to actress and a supporting role? Actually, real quick. Sure. Music, original score. I think this is going to Hateful Eight. Oh, really? Over Star Wars? Over John Williams. Yeah, I think they're giving this to Hateful Eight because the guy who scored it is, N- I'm going to butcher his name, Ennio Morricone. He's like 87 years old. He did like the, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. He's been in the game forever, and he has no Oscar except an uh, honorary Oscar. So I think they're definitely giving it to him. Because Hateful Eight's score was amazing, and I think they're going to give it to him. He won the Golden Globe for it, so I, I could definitely see him getting this. And I think that that's a great point. I mean, John Williams, his score in Star Wars Force Awakens is obviously beautiful, like all of his other Star right. Wars uh, scores are. But Hateful Eight was, it was an amazing, I, I thought it was an amazing movie. I mean, it's classic Tarantino, like I said. Mm-hmm. But the score especially, I think, stood out along with um, everything else. So the, I think that, that that's a really interesting, but also probably a spot-on right. choice. The Academy likes feel-good stories, too, so that, that's an easy one. Do you have any opinions on original song in a movie? I think my opinion for this, I was just surprised that See You Again by Wiz Khalifa yeah. and Charlie Puth from Fury 7 is nowhere to be found despite being the biggest song by a mile it became like a real hit it was a number one song a number one song in the country for at least eight weeks so for the thing not to be nominated is a crime but I have a feeling Sam Smith is gonna is gonna for writings on the wall at Spectre yeah he won the Golden Globe I could just see him taking it home it's interesting because I remember people didn't like this as much as Adele's Skyfall theme I I thought Skyfall was a much better song It, it definitely is and I, I find it funny that the weekends I'm here for earned it with Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey has an Oscar nomination to its credit, and it always will. <sighs> that, that's all I, I want to say about that. Why, why don't we move on to Best Supporting Actress? Yes, so the nominees are Jennifer Jason Lee from The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara from Carol, Rachel McAdams from Spotlight, Alicia Vikander from The Danish Girl, and Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. So I think this is actually a pretty stacked category. It is, absolutely. And and moving forward, I think most of the categories have a lot of big names, but looking at I think this one was my hardest one to pick. Interesting. It's not my hardest, but it was hard. I I went with Jennifer Jason Lee. Really? Really? Wow. I think think she's my last place for this. Really? Yeah. I thought thought she was awesome in that role. She was awesome. She was crazy. For what she was given to work with, I mean... the character basically is is it hot is a hostage the entire time. So she's basically trying to she's given a very small role because she's confined. I mean she's stuck. She's chained to Kurt Russell for half the movie. Right. And I, th- I thought she did a really yeah. great the, job. The acting in the Hateful Eight is half the reason it's done so well. The other half would be the cinematography and the directing mm-hmm. because it's a small setting movie and for the second half of it you're just in this one confined space. Exactly. I really like the acting and I really thought. Samuel L. Jackson deserves some love in the acting categories. He didn't get any, of course. But I just think there's not enough buzz around Jennifer Jason Lee for this movie. What do you got? Yeah, so it's really interesting because Rachel McAdams, I could definitely see pulling it out. But at the same time, ensemble cast traditionally don't do that well in, right. in the acting categories. And she was good. She wasn't amazing. She was mm-hmm. fine. Rooney Mara for Carol. Certainly could see that. But I just don't think she has enough momentum. So I think it's between Alicia Vikander and Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. So... Give it uh, to Vikander. Well, yeah. Please give I was going to say, Alicia Vikander is my girl. <laughs> she was in seven movies in 2015. She She's all over the place. She was amazing in Ex Machina as yes. Ava. And in, I believe it was the BAFTAs, she was nominated for both roles. But Kate Winslet won because they had Vikander as a 
lead actress for Danish Girl and won the award show, so Winslet ended up winning because they weren't competing. Right. But now that they're competing against each other, I think this has to be Alicia Vikander, the Danish Girl. I haven't seen the Danish Girl, actually. It's really funny, though, because I don't think Eddie Redmayne's going to win for this, and he's like the Hollywood Golden Boy right now. He is. But Vikander's got a lot of buzz. She's really good. She's in a lot of stuff. She's going to be in the new Jason Bourne coming out, too. Yeah, she's killing it. I, I can't wait to see that, but... And Kate Winslet, she's gotten some love in the past. They're spreading the love. Vikander's a rising star. I think that's who gets it. Uh, I can see Kate Winslet winning it. I have her as my sure. second. She's my, my second, second as well. I, I thought she was awesome in Jobs, but when I, when I think about Jobs, I think about like the scenes that really stood out to me. She's not really... She doesn't stick out to me as much as some no. of the other big... I mean, Fastbender obviously steals the show, right. but like when I think about that, I think about like like the showdown between um, Scully and Steve Jobs. That mm-hmm. would be Jeff Daniels and Fastbender, or between uh, Seth Rogen as Waz and Steve Jobs. Shout out Seth Rogen for a serious role, too. He and he, I thought he did really well in it. Um, so I, I think that this is going to be a, an interesting category, but I think Alicia Vikander probably has a really strong chance. Yeah, definitely. She's the girl I want. She, she's who I want to win anyway. So, act, uh, actor in a supporting role. Right. Who do you got? Yeah, so this is, I think this was my hardest one to pick. Okay. So, Christian Bale for The Big Short, Tom Hardy for The Revenant, Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight, Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, and Sylvester Stallone for. For Creed. So just looking at that, who do you think should win? Like, if you were just picking it based on should who win? had the best performance, who would you pick? Yeah, okay, good. That's good. So I'll start I'll start taking people away. So Christian Bale and Mark Ruffalo, they play very similar characters. They're more nuanced performances. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching those, especially Christian Bale, I was like, all right, that's like B-plus Christian Bale, right. partially because he has such a high standard that he set for himself. <laughs> but I was like, he was fine. But I would have been just as okay with them nominating Steve Carell for the same movie over Bale. Bale didn't jump out at me enough to win this. Mark Ruffalo, ensemble cast, once again, again, didn't jump out any more than Michael Keaton or Rachel McAdams did from his movie. Don't think he wins. Agree. Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, another nuanced performance. Think he has a really good chance. The guy I want to win, but I don't think actually wins this, is Tom Hardy for The Revenant. I thought he had the best performance out of everybody. He did. I mean, he was incredible in The Revenant. I mean, you, what are you going to hold it against him because he acts in the same manner that Leo did? Why would you do that? Exactly. And it's actually interesting because he's one of those actors who I think does the most when his character speaks the least. I mean, if you think about him in Mad Max Fury Road, which is another movie he was awesome in, he, he barely spoke the entire time. He did. He really did. He was, he was so dehydrated, he couldn't even talk. So he, he was fine in in Mad Max. I really think that's Furiosa's movie, Charlie's Theron. Oh, absolutely. But Some people were telling me how, like, Hardy was amazing in Mad Max. I, I wouldn't go that far, but he was amazing in The Revenant. He, he didn't reach the level he reached in The Revenant, but he was still fantastic in that role, I thought. Right. But I I think, and I think your analysis was spot on, uh, I don't think Ruffalo or Christian Bale are going to take this. I think Sylvester Stallone is going to win this category. Yeah. I mean, he won the Golden Globe, um, and I, I'm now starting to feel a little bit worried because I feel like I'm picking a lot of the people who won the Golden Globes, and that's right. not always the best barometer. Well, Mark Rylance won the BAFTA, but Cre- uh, Stallone wasn't nominated. Rylance apparently has been losing some momentum with this role. Once again, the feel-good story for Stallone. Can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Sylvester Stallone wins. Rylance is number two for me. Well, and and 
Uh, I think Stallone, kind of the same thing as, as George Miller in the directing category. Yeah. You know, it's it's old school Hollywood. He's been there forever. It's probably one of the last films he'll be really nominated for in this kind of category. Yeah. So His seventh time playing the character, funny enough. Yeah, exactly. So it's I, I think it's going to be him. And then I pick, I actually said Christian Bale second, but I'm going to change that on my, my sheet. And I'm going to go with Tom Hardy because I think if... if the Revenant picks up some of those lower categories, it's just going to sweep everything. I, That's I a really good point. Thing. Yeah, I would love to see a Tom Hardy win as well, but I think Stallone has it close to in the bag. What do we got next? So Next is Best Actress in a Leading Role, Best Actress. So we have Kate Blanchett for Carol, Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy, Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years, and Seorsi. Uh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how to say that name, but the and girl from Brooklyn. Seorsi <laughs> Ronan in Brooklyn. Yeah. So, just looking at this category right away, I just don't want Jennifer Lawrence to win. Oh, dude, Jennifer Lawrence is the clear last choice I for know, this. But, uh, I know, but it scares me because she's Jennifer Lawrence and right David O. Russell need to break up. <laughs> she was great. They were great in Silver Lines Playbook. They were great in American Hustle, and they sucked in joy. It's about time for the two of you to go your separate ways. And it, were, it, it, it showed. The movie was not that great. Lawrence was fine, but she got this nomination off of her star. Absolutely, and I think I think I'm just tired of her. Like you know how like sometimes you just need somebody to like take a year off and like get away for a little while, so then then they can come back. You're like, oh yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. I'm, I can't she's basically done three types of movies. She's done well, two types, I guess. She's done the David O. Russell movies, now three, and then she did Winter's Bone, basically her breakout hit. She did the Hunger Games, four Hunger Games movies, and she's about to do her third X Men movie. Other than that, she hasn't done anything. Oh, she did so big um, franchises, and then David or Russell swag. What was the other one she did with with Bradley Cooper, where it was like a, in the seventies? American um, Hustle. Yeah, American That's Hustle. David or Russell. Right, right, right. So it's about time for her to move on. Now. Yeah, she's yeah. a great actress, and she's she'll be done with her franchises, which she. I mean, she signed out with First Class before she got huge, right. and Hunger Games as well. So she can really do anything she wants now, and I I trust her judgment as well. But it's time for her to find a new director to get buddy buddy with. I, I agree, and and just my, my last thing on her, and I, I want to move on. But she she's like Taylor Swift for me right now. Like they they both just have like this whole persona and act going on that just it, it just is annoying, and right. I want them just. But to, she's friends with Amy Schumer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I wish she was nominated on this um, for what Trainwreck. Tra- I, I would prefer her over Jennifer Lawrence in this category. Honestly, Trainwreck was was funny. I mean, it's Judd Apatow. It's right. It's dependable. It's, it's Apatow. But anyways, <laughs> well, I want to move on. So I actually picked Brie. La- uh, no, so this is. Yeah. Oh yeah, Brie, Brie Larson. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong category. I had her as my number one, but you don't say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> please. I think we all know she's going to win. I think the second choice here this is, is the, the more interesting one. Yeah, this is the most bankable, one of the most bankable picks as well, right. one of the safest bets. But yeah, exactly. Good question. Who is your number two? So I had Charlotte Rambling. So I've seen a lot of her. If there, if there's one thing that that the Oscars is, is that it's it's a way for actors and filmmakers and people in the industry to sit around and look at all their art films that are okay but like they're not what everybody wants to see and it's a way for them to say look how awesome this was and i think that this would be if she won this would be what that is to kind of say oh you know these art films are so important and we have to recognize them when really everybody just wants to go see things blow up and you know planes fly through the air as people jump out Mm -hmm. of them oh yeah well the the thing about her is she said some questionable comments regarding uh, the Oscars so white controversy. So I think she might have lost some votes for that. 
but I think she's definitely she's definitely beating out Jennifer Lawrence. I think Ronan and Kate Blanchett are probably tied for two for me. Probably okay. Kate Blanchett. I don't know. It's tough. I, I just there's no chance Brie Larson loses. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually, this was probably the one I picked the fastest because I just saw yeah. her and I was like, boom. Yeah, yeah I'm taking you. Got so, it. While we move on to the next category, actor in a leading role. So in this category, we got Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Matt Damon for The Martian, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne, Hollywood Golden Boy, for The Danish Girl. Right. Who do you got? Well, right off the bat, I just want to get something off my chest. Brian Cranston did not deserve this nomination. He did a really over-the-top performance in a bad movie telling the Dalton Trumbo story, a story that needs to be told a lot better. He got this award because everyone's like, oh, we love Brian Cranston. Who doesn't did you Brian see Cranston? him in Breaking Bad? Oh, did you see him in Godzilla? <laughs> yeah, he's great. We love him. We don't care if the movie was that great. It's just like joy. Right. He's a clear number five. He's a clear number see, five. See, this is where the Oscars so white thing actually pisses me off because I was like, I would have loved to see Idris Elba in Beast of No Nation here, Absolutely. or even Samuel L. Jackson. And a lot of people tell you Michael B. Jordan from Creed would have been a great choice. Yeah, here. absolutely. I, I'm not saying you have to pick minorities or anything like that, but when you pick someone bad like this, it just looks bad. But think, but going back to my point about what the Oscars is, it's a way for everybody in the industry to sit around and jerk each other off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trumbo is a movie about the industry. It's about its history. and It's a guy who got blackballed by the industry, too. It's surprised they liked it that much. Uh, and I, I think it's more just to honor to, you know, the fact that it's come a long way and all this BS. But Brian Cranston isn't going to win this. No, no way. So that, that's good. Uh, I got Leonardo DiCaprio. Obviously. I mean, please. Uh, he's he, been winning already. It's about time. Right. Uh, I mean, th- I was thinking about the fact that he's going to win for this category. and mm-hmm. the, He's going to win this category for this performance. I right. mean, he's had so many performances that I would I look to him like, I like that so much more than his character in The Revenant. Right. Well, I was, I was looking back. I've looked back several times over the years at his previous nominations that he didn't win and the one i always go to is that's the one he definitely should have won was 2004 the aviator Mark Scorsese, his role as orson welles absolutely it was amazing in that movie must see it's a very long movie but i really Mm -hmm. recommend that i still think that is his best acting he's ever done probably watch that it's probably one of his lesser known movies just because it's not as prolific as like the The departed or wolf of wall street which he also won but Wolf of Wall Street, I was fine with him losing to McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club was awesome, and McConaughey killed that role. But Leo pulled out all the stops, and it's like, is he the best actor during the bear fight? Is he the best actor in the beginning of the movie? Is he the best actor when he almost dies or when he eats the liver? You can pick to any, any one of these scenes. He just destroys this role. And some people are like, well, I don't want to watch Brian, uh, Brian Cranston. I don't want to watch Leonardo DiCaprio grunt and crawl but like that was the acting he destroyed this movie and i lo- i love the revenant because it was like jeremiah johnson robert redford on steroids loved every second <laughs> loved every second of that movie that i think that that that's a perfect way to describe it I, I actually don't have anything more i could really add to that so i'm just gonna move on to what my second pick is yeah so i actually put eddie redmayne my second pick just because he is the golden the golden boy, boy. if anyone's gonna get it they're gonna want to say you know this is like the the next big hollywood actor coming up and also just the role he's playing i mean the the, the stories about a transgender is it's a topic right now that's that's gaining a lot of very good point in yeah. guys. so but fastbender man like i just come back to yeah. fastbender i fastbender two redmayne three 
So, and, and then Matt Damon gave a great performance, but I wouldn't say it's an all-time Matt Damon performance no. in The Martian. So, I think Leo's going to finally win it, and then we can put to rest that, you know, Leo's never won an Oscar. So, why don't we move on to the last category? Who do we got? Best Picture. So, we have eight movies for this, because you remember they expanded the format a few years ago. Right. You can have up to ten now. So, the nominations for Best Picture are The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight. So right off the bat, I just listed ones I don't think I have any shot at winning Best Picture. Bridge of Spies, nope. Brooklyn, nope. The Martian. Oh, outside chance for me. Room. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think Room will. So you, you think The Big Short has a shot? I think the producers have loved the movie. It's won a, won a few times already. Adam McKay's a good campaigner. It could happen. Mad Max Fury Road, probably not. They'll probably throw George Miller at the bow in the VFX awards. I don't see Mad Max winning this. So yeah, it's probably the next one out. Spotlight, ensemble film, really good story. Actors I, love it, actors in the Academy. I actually good chose choice. Spotlight to win. Um, and, and I, had I the, was torn on this one. I had the, I had the Revenant second mm-hmm. to Spotlight. So I guess my, my reasoning for that. The Revenant obviously was an amazing movie. When you think about like what is going to be remembered, what you might go back and rewatch. Usually the, the movie that wins Best Picture is not a movie you're going to go back and rewatch. Right. And Spotlight, I'm probably never going to watch again. It was two hours, 20 minutes. It was wonderfully made. I thought it was great writing and great acting. It's a topic that I think I just don't want to go back and watch over and over and over. Yeah, it's heavy. The Revenant, I could see myself throwing it on and just like picking up wherever. I mean, it's it's going to be Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio crawling through see, it's, mud and dirt. It's funny you say that because I've seen a lot of people saying the exact opposite. They're like, really? Is the Revenant I, something you want to watch again? I could see that, I guess. It's, so, it's long. I, I, I probably will end up buying the Revenant at some point when mm-hmm. it's cheap, but... I think that might work against the, Rev- the Revenant because the best things about the Revenant are what the cinematography, Leonardo and Tom Hardy, the directing. Is the story anything amazing? It's not. It's very simple, but that's what the movie's setting out to do. Right. I don't find that a problem. Some people might. Right, and I, I think that that that's a great point on it, which I guess is why I see The Martian as probably the outside film like that. I, I think it's could fair. The Golden Globe. Picture. I'm sure you want right. to say yeah. right because it, well, it, it obviously with the Golden Globe for best comedy, which I <laughs> it's don't, not a comedy, yeah, right? But anyway, <laughs> funny I, moments. I, I really think that like when you think about movies you're going to rewatch from this year, I think about The Martian. I mean, you, oh, you can pop that that's at the top of my list for movies I want to own. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I know that it probably won't win, but that's why I think it has an outside shot. One reason it won't win, they did not nominate Ridley Scott for Best Director. Right. Just like they didn't nominate Spielberg for Best Director for Bridge of Spies. Right. Now, Spielberg, they're like, you, you've won enough. But Ridley Scott, people felt like he got the shaft, because this is one of his best movies ever, and probably the best movie he's ever going to make. He's an old man, mm-hmm. and his next movie is Alien Covenant, which is on its like third title, and... We, no one has any hope. Oh, Ridley. <laughs> well, so you have... I have The Revenant winning, Spotlight second, Big Short third. third. All right. I got Spotlight, The Revenant, and then The Martian as my outside shot. And that wraps up our Oscar pick, so we'll have to revisit that next week. We'll do that in our quick hit thoughts just to kind of see how we did, and we'll let the people know. But Dave, what do you want to talk about next week on the podcast? What should, what should everybody listen to to get ready for us to talk about? Yeah, so there's a certain content creator out there, an artist, if you will, hmm. visionary, a pioneer hmm. of the musical space. Pablo Picasso? Pa- uh, Pablo Escobar? 
Mm, St. Paul. Right. That's the one. Yeah, Mr. Kanye West released, if you can call it that, an album by the name of Life of Pablo, and we're going to be breaking that thing down track by track, the process of it was made, Kanye's Twitter. There's a lot There's a lot to unpack regarding this. I am excited, and especially because... Listen to it, get title. Basically, yeah. Basically, every single day I go on Twitter and Kanye's just on another rant, so we're going to have plenty of stuff to talk about, but I think I think for now that this is a really good first podcast, and where, where are people going to be able to find us? Right now, you can listen to Nostalgia at soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. P-O-D. Right. We will be on iTunes and Stitcher shortly. In the meantime, stick to SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud's where it's at right now. And Dave, where can where can people find your, your thoughts and takes just on a regular basis? Glad you asked, Pat. You can follow me on Twitter at MartinSwagger. That's M-A-R-T-I-N-S-W-A-G-R. Do you have any thoughts for the pod or any hate or disagreements or anything completely unrelated, send them my way on Twitter. Martin Swagger is a great... Twitter follow, especially if you're a Knicks fan. He has a lot of interesting takes. Self-deprecating. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Sheeny World Peace. Sheeny, just like it sounds. World without the O, and then peace the way it sounds. Uh, a little Meta World Peace shout out. Yeah. Ron Artest. The... What was his panda nickname he wanted to go with? Uh, man, I if you ever commit to that, you should change your name to follow him. <laughs> well, hopefully someday uh, he'll, he'll recognize me, and he'll switch back to Meta, and we can... We can all live happily together, but <laughs> in the meantime, this has been Nostalgia. We'll see you next week. You know what God said when he made the first rainbow? Just know to set the end of fucking late for the intro. Uh, I'm just having fun with it. You know that a nigga was lost. I laugh in my head because I bet that my ex looking back like a pillar of salt.